0: So the, the distinctive or the identity th- that I want to just talk about this morning, one of our identities or distinctives about who we are is that um, we are rescuers of men and women. We are rescuers of men and women. Uh, this was, these are, these are, all these distinctives are little tags and sayings that used to roll off the lips which were flowing out of the heart of um, of John Wimber and some of the guys that were back there in the establishment of the Vineyard Movement as we got going many years ago. And this was one of those little sayings, being rescuers of men and women. And by saying that, uh, what, what, what they were trying to encapsulate was that God's love expressed through compassion and mercy wants to rescue people. You often, you read in the Gospels how um, Jesus at one point uh, or a number of times it says when he was looking at people's circumstances and situations that he was moved with compassion to heal. He was moved with compassion to set free. He 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 went about rescuing them um, through the work of a compassionate heart and um you know, if you've seen the video, uh, we might show it again one, one time soon. I think it's been a while since we've shown it. But there's this little interview where Carol Wimber um, was interviewed many, many years after it all began. And someone just wanted to say, hey, what was it like back then when you guys were all starting this thing? And, and she said, well, basically, we were all just burned out, you know, shriveled up religious people who were just hungry for God who were just desperately hungry for God to come and be with us. And then God did start to fellowship with them in a very real and tangible way. He visited them with his love and spirit. And as that started to happen, obviously, the small group that they were meeting in began to grow. And the home that they were meeting in started to be filled up to the point where it was a case of, There was no room left in the house. You know, it just started to grow and grow and grow. And in her interview with Gary Best, um, Carol Wimber says, she said, at one point there, we just had to stop and say, 'Um, God, what about the poor? What about the poor? poor in spirit, poor financially, the lost, the homeless, the broken, the downtrodden, what about the poor? And she said, the last thing we wanted to do was make church about being a winner. We wanted to make it about the heart of God. And God's heart is for the poor. God's heart, you know. As this week, as I was just spending time with the Lord, I was asking the Lord about the those who are caught in our region by poverty, like actual poverty. You know, no money, isolated, sleeping in cars. Talking to a gentleman this week who lives in a car, and the Father said to me, He said, Kirk. The poor of this region are my poor. They're my poor. Not that he's put them into poverty, but he's making a claim from his heart over the poor. They're mine. I want them. I love them. I'm for them. My kingdom is here for them. I sent Jesus for them. And I want my church to know They're my poor. And by inference, I was saying, and I said to the Lord, so Lord, by inference, you're saying that they're they're our poor. They're our poor. They're our broken people. They're our lost family. They're ours because such is the heart of God. You know, the scriptures talk very clearly about those who lend to the the poor are lending to the Lord. The heart of God, rescuers of men and women. I mean, not just for those that are caught in actual poverty, but those among us, friends, family, and those among us here at the vineyard who are caught. By all forms of, of brokenness and sickness and relationship distance and isolation and economic, you know, oppression. We're here in the name of Jesus to, to do business with that. Church is not about being a winner at the vineyard. We don't want to be winners. We want to look like our Father, and our Father loves everyone. That's what we are. That's a distinctive of who we are. That's why people kind of get a little, "Mm -hmm." about how we do things here, because we want everyone to be welcomed and rescued into the love of God. You know, quickly, Trent, come up. Um, Last Sunday afternoon, these guys were out on the HOTS team. Oh, Trent and Karen, the HOTS team, and um, Bill and Al and whoever else was there. These guys are just going to quickly tell you a few stories of what the rescuing love of God looked like on the streets at Woody Point last Sunday afternoon. Okay, who's up?
1: I want to grab it first, actually, because what I want to share, is it's not a story of healing, but it has a lot to do with what Kirk was speaking about now, about being rescuers of men and women. Um, Karen and I were walking, and there was uh, an elderly couple that were seated on a bed. How old would you say they were? Yeah, 60s. But they had scooters kind of leaning. Um, young people, you know, young people around 60. And they had... They had these scooters kind of leaning on the table, so um, we, we were just walking past and I just said, you know, nice scooters, guys, I can see you're enjoying yourselves. And they said, no, 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 it's not ours, it's our, it's our grandkids. Anyway, Karen and I managed to strike up a conversation with them, and to cut a long story short, these guys were completely worn out. Um, their daughter was living with them, despite the fact that they were obviously in sort of in a retirement era. And their daughter's children were with them as well. They had no break from it. They said to us that the two hours that they get to spend at Woody Points on a Sunday, that's their little piece of heaven. You know, that's it. And, um, you know, we, we got to pray with them. But while we were praying, the Lord put a story on my heart, which was how, uh, you know, when Jesus was sharing with people about, um, with his disciples about how when we get to heaven one day, Jesus is going to say, well done, Come into the kingdom because you fed me, you clothed me, you did all of those things. And, um, and I shared that story with them about what the heart of God is like. And, and I said to them that, um, this is how God feels about the sacrifice that you're making right now. And I mean, by the end of it, she was crying, he was crying. If you know me, it shouldn't surprise you that I was crying. We were all kind of having this wonderful moment. But the point is, these guys realized that in in, in the midst of, of of everything that they were, they realized that God was with them, and 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 what the heart of the Father is for what they're doing. So um, I just wanted to share that story because that's it that was it was quite emotional for me.
2: I'll just interview Bill, because Bill and Tavia went and had a, r- a remarkable story. So you were on the jetty, we'll just cut it short, Bill. So you were on the jetty, you and Tavia both identified a couple independently that you thought you should speak to. Um, what? How did you start the conversation?
3: Well, when I do hots, I'm more comfortable by having a conversation first rather than leading right into it. So we were talking about the weather, where they come from, their background and... Uh, then we approached and introduced ourselves and said why we were there. We, we come out uh, quite frequently on every second Sunday afternoon and uh, offer prayer for healing or whatever people feel they need. And the typical answer which they gave us was, oh, no, we don't need anything. Uh, we're right. And then I'll just
2: cut it short. So you actually then... In conversation, the man mentioned that he had some spine problems and that so you ultimately ended up praying for his spine. Uh, He had, if I remember correctly, or what were his symptoms? Do you remember?
3: Uh, A cyst or something on the spine and he had metal rods. Uh.
2: Metal rods. No metal rods, just a cyst on his spine and he had left-sided pain all the way down the one side or right-sided, whatever. One side was all kind of pain down the side and spine pain. So what did you end up doing?
3: Well, uh, we asked him whether we could pray and he said, oh, yeah, I'm going for that. So uh, that's what we did. We we prayed for his back to be healed and... uh, and what,
2: what what happened after you prayed the first time?
3: Well, uh, we said, OK, uh, how is it now as compared with when we first started? And my recollection is, and it may not be correct, I thought it went down to 60%, which we said, oh, it's beautiful, God's starting to work. Can we pray again? And, oh, yeah, yeah. So we prayed a second time, and went down to about 40%. And, you no, in at once, let's go for it. And we prayed again, but there was no increase on the 40%. But we explained to him that God was there, was working, and the possibility was that tomorrow afternoon it would go further.
2: Now, the interesting thing about this story is that actually um, that... Prompted the wife then to say, Oh, yes, I actually have some pain. Um, and she then held out her elbow. And um, do you want to say what happened?
3: Yeah, she said she's had this pain in her elbow for years, actually. And it was like a tennis elbow. And she s- said, uh, Yeah, uh, 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 it's gone. <laughs>
2: So, actually, while you had just been praying for the man and he had been experiencing healing, the presence of God had come and unbeknownst to the wife, she had actually been healed as well just because you were all standing in a holy moment in the presence of God.
3: That's correct.
0: Thanks, Karen. Thanks, Bill. Rescuers of men and women. Um, This is what we do. This is, um, we do this every, every day in every circumstance and situation uh, at the vineyard. We want to be people who rescue men and women with the love and compassion of God. That's just one story. We, we rescue men and women by preaching the word of God, by faithfully the public reading of scripture. We rescue men and women. We rescue men and women by feeding the hungry, We rescue men and women by helping marriages get through the tough stuff and the good stuff. We rescue men and women by taking the love of Jesus onto our streets. We rescue men and women by wholeheartedly giving ourselves to a life of faith and obedience to Jesus and all that he wants to do with our life. We rescue men and women by equipping them to do the works of Jesus here at the Vineyard. Um. One quick story. Um, You may remember the big breakfast that we had um, late late last year, um, just before Christmas, and Caitlin, she's working with the kids today next door. My Caitlin got up and preached that Sunday, and, um, and she was talking about how God's not okay with the enemy beating people up, and that's why he sent Jesus at Christmas. And so she shared this message, but... The backstory to that was just as she was getting up that morning, she said, Dad, what if I say this stuff and nothing happens and no one responds? And I said, Kate, just do your part. God will back your act with his presence. And you know what? We had like eight people give their lives to Jesus that morning at big breakfast. Eight people stood up to say, I want Jesus in my life. How amazing is that? How amazing. Rescuers of men and women. God loves to rescue people. Alrighty, last one. Nick, why don't you fire away?
4: Um, good morning. It's good to be here with you all. Um, it's There it is, number seven. So we, can, as you can tell, we're doing them completely out of order. Um, come as you are. So... To define that a little bit, um, you know, we can define it as what you look on the outside first of all. So you might have noticed we don't necessarily have a dress code here. Um, No longer are the suits and ties, not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's not a style um, that we have here in our culture. But if you want to wear that one Sunday, that's not a problem. Um, the, the idea and the distinctive is that you come as you are. It isn't about what you look on the outside. So when the vineyard first started in LA, in California, it was very much the culture of Levi jeans and Reeboks. We have sort of moved on from that, um, but fashion has anyway. Um, and it isn't about fashion. It's come come as you are, who you are. So if you're comfortable in wearing thongs, you can wear your thongs, your flip-flops. Um, if you're comfortable in wearing shorts, wear your shorts, jeans, t-shirts, business shirt. It isn't about the outside, it's about the inside. So we create a relaxed environment is the distinctive that um, I'm trying to explain um if we look at what's going on on the inside what's happening with our heart is calm as you are come as your heart is this very day but um our intention is not to leave as we are so um my um experience of church was meeting kirk and meeting Jesus, getting saved through meeting Kirk. Two different people, two different encounters. Um, but my husband led me to Jesus. I met Jesus through meeting Kirk. Um, and there's a lot of Jesus in him too. That was attractive. Um, but I, I went from being saved, and he was working in a church where the youngest person at the time was about 70, Um And yes, it was a vibrant church. (laughs) Um, And he was the youth pastor. So there must have been a few youth around. (laughs) There definitely was some youth around. But I went from being saved straight into leadership. So for me, um, discipleship was a longer process and... Quite honestly, we're always being discipled, aren't we? We're always learning. But for me, it wasn't a clear-cut, step-by-step discipleship. And I confess I didn't have a clue as to what I was doing. And Kirk would come home studying, doing a university degree, and I would have all of these questions. And it helped him to simplify it and put it in everyday language for me um, about what who God was, what church was, what did it look like. Um, And the church we were in, um, not to be critical of it, but it was the environment and the culture was, you couldn't really bring who you were. So I couldn't really say, I I don't know anything, I'm a baby in the Lord. Um, And part of that would have been where I was at at the time, so I take ownership of that. Um, And part of that was just it didn't have the culture to come as you are and bring who you are. And then we moved on to another fellowship where it was very acceptable for you to wear a mask and not really say how you were feeling or what you were carrying and bringing to church on that day. So the thing that was attractive to me about the vineyard was truly coming as you are. You were accepted for what you wore. You're accepted for where you were on the spiritual journey with the Lord. And you were able to come on any given Sunday and say, actually, my heart has been breaking this week over this issue or this issue, or I'm really struggling with this sin or um, I don't understand why God isn't answering my prayers. And so that was one of the distinctums that was very attractive to me about the vineyard, and it's a culture that we try to continue to foster here and have as to who we are as a community of believers, that um, if you're not doing good, then bring that with you and, and ask your community here and your family to help and to pray and invite Jesus into um, your circumstances but to be very real with each other and our emphasis is to come as you are but don't stay as you are to press into Jesus to press into the Holy Spirit Um, over the years we've had many people come through this church and some of the wonderful stories that God has written in people's hearts. And one of the particular ones was a man who would come every week with his wife who confessed constantly that he was an atheist and he really didn't want anything to do with this stuff. But every Sunday he came to church with his wife. And over that period of time of being loved for who he was and accepted for right where he was at, he met Jesus. And that was about a four-year process. But... In no place should we interfere with what God's trying to do in that and by saying that he should be someone different. And again, I'm just reminded of my story. When Kirk and I first started dating, he was preparing for ministry. And, you know, there is a scripture verse about Christians not being yoked with non-Christians, of which he threw out, as in he had an encounter with the Lord where the Lord told him, that it was right for him to date me. And had someone had told me that I should have been a Christian and been saved and know Jesus, um, I would have probably done anything at that point to make that happen. But for years down the track, I would have been wondering whether that was really real, my encounter. And so nobody had said to me, this is the right thing to do. But they accepted me as come as you are. And yet Kirk had the promise that I was the right person for him from the Lord. So he had that word from the Lord. So there was an encouragement there. Um, but when I did meet Jesus, it was because his spirit was calling me, not because someone told me I had to be a certain way. It was the Holy Spirit calling me. And so I can trust in my salvation that it was done in the Lord's timing and not um, because I wasn't accepted for where I was in that journey. So I'm trying to communicate to you that it's not a code of behaviour that we're looking for. It's, it's God looking for your heart. And as long as you're moving towards Jesus, and even if you're moving away, you're still welcome. It's still calm as you are. But know that the Holy Spirit will be pursuing you. So don't stay where you are. That's our prayer.
0: Thanks, Nick. Hey, um, <laughs> we're just going to leave it th- at those two distinctives for today and we'll, um, we'll, we'll keep flowing through these over the next little while. So um, what were to- today's two distinctives? The first one was... Okay, it was rescuers of men and women. What was it? Awesome. And the second distinctive that Nick just mentioned and talked through... Come as you are, but you won't stay as you are. You won't stay as you are. The Lord will change you with his love. So we're just going to leave it at that. What we want to do now is um, this morning we just want to uh, bring our second offering. And our second offering this morning goes to the work of the Vineyard Mercy Centre. Can I tell you a story before we bring this offering? And I promise it will be short you got time. Thanks, Dave. Well, Dave, <laughs> um, you know, Friday was this amazing day for me. Um, the Lord asked me on during the course of the week to um, to fast from Thursday evening through till um, Friday when the sun went down. And by fasting, that meant for me no food, no food. And um If you've never done any fasting, um, and I'm not a big fan of fasting for obvious reasons, but I tell you, it just completely heightens the spiritual environment. It really does heighten your spiritual awareness of God and what's going on in the atmosphere around you. And so anyway, let me tell you this story. So anyway, this week's been one of those weeks where we're kind of like going, oh God, oh God, oh God, we really need you, like, like, you know, to please come through on a number of levels uh, for the life of the church and um, namely financially at at this time because we've been going through a a hard season of that, which isn't the first time in 19 years, so don't panic, (laughs) we're still here, God's good. And um, anyways, so I'm fasting on this issue And then, so Friday morning I get up and then all of a sudden, you can ask Susan, our secretary who works down here in the front office, I got like sneezes like, and a head cold Friday morning, first thing. And I literally sneezed nonstop until about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. But let me tell you what happened between 12 and 1. This is where it's really cool. We're praying and I'm like, Lord, you need to show us how to pray. You need what's going on in our culture, in our world, in our our region that's like completely telling people to freak out and worry about resource and cause people to become measured and really tight. What's going on, Lord? Show me how to pray. And why is your church not like flowing with resource so that the kingdom, the good news of Jesus, can just be like amped up and multiplied? What's going on, Lord? Why are our business people here, small business people, their, their business is choked up and there's like no cash flow in this season. What's going on, Lord? Why are we wrestling with people getting, uh, you know, all of a sudden retrenched and there's been issues of unemployment? All this stuff. I'm like, show us, Lord, what's going on? I know it's not on your end, the problem. I know the problem's on our end and what's in between the two of us right now is a really aggressive work of the enemy to want to cause people to be fearful. So anyway, I wake up and I read Exodus chapter 14 because Exodus 14 was my just daily scripture reading. And if you know that passage, it's where Moses and the people are standing up against the water. They've left Egypt. They're against the water and they're looking over their back and they can see Pharaoh is rather stinky about the fact that that he's let his labor force go, and he's after them. It's like, let's get these people of God back under oppression. And they're looking at it, and, they're seeing, and the scripture says in Exodus 14, verse 10, it says, the people of God became filled with terror. They were terrified at what they saw of the ensuing work of the enemy against their life, when God was calling them into another place of freedom for their life. And to be terrified quite literally means to come under such a wave of anxiety and fear that it cripples you and causes you to become shut down. And it says the people were terrified because they were feeling and seeing the enemy coming fast. And at this point, they're up against the water's edge they got no way forward except the presence of the Lord is in front of them. And then they start crying out to the Lord. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, we shouldn't. And the interesting, their intercession went like this. Their great prayers of intercession were like, God, it would have been better if we just stayed in Egypt. At least they fed us there. We'd rather be oppressed than walk out here with you. You brought us out here to die? Now, that's good praying, isn't it? Anyway, so that's their intercession. They're praying like this, and they're filled with terror. It's coming out of this place that's squashing their faith, and they're no longer believing in the God who's called them and has led them into freedom to this far. And the Lord says to Moses, why are you people crying out to me? The Lord says, why are you crying out to me? In other words, he's saying, why are you whinging at me? Well, Lord, you have brought us out here to die. He says, stop your whinging, move forward. That was the instruction of the Lord to the people. They had nowhere to go. His presence was in front of them. The enemy was behind them. And the Lord said, stop whinging, move forward. Move into the vision of the kingdom that's calling you on. Move forward. And so as they're moving forward, they, well, Moses says, all right, people, we're moving forward. And as he made that decision, And as the people gave themselves to the voice of God and the presence of God that was in front of them, saying, move forward, the scriptures say that the presence of the Lord moved from in front of them and came and established himself behind them between the assailing work of the enemy and their very life. You know, sometimes the Lord is just saying, I know you're at the edge of the water. But move forward. And in our obedience to do that, we create room for God to come and establish his kingdom behind us. Now, it's interesting, it says in Exodus 14, that the Lord wanted to glorify himself, not in the people's obedience. It says the Lord wanted to glorify himself in the routing of Pharaoh. That's where God wants to establish his glory in the work of the enemy that would be so proud as to dare try and terrify the people of God. So he's calling them forward. They've begun to move forward. Moses holds up his arms. The water's split and in they go. And the Lord is their rear guard. Well, anyway, back to my story. Um, so at at 12 o'clock, I'm sneezing constantly, I've, like my rubbish bin under my desk is like full of at least one and a half boxes of used Kleenex. It was not pretty up there. And anyway, I'm sneezing away, sneezing away, sneezing away, and then anyway, someone rings me who doesn't go to the church, and they, but they do know me, and I said, oh, g'day, how you doing? And they said, hey, listen, something really strange just happened to me. I said, oh, what's that? And they said, you better take a seat. It's really weird. I said, okay. So anyway, I'm sitting there and he says, well, listen, I was just at this, um, this place and using my bank card or credit card thing. And anyway, he's had his bank card personalized so that it, it, it causes conversation when, uh, whenever he uses it. And anyway, he said, I handed over my card to use, and the person receiving the card said, oh, you know, and they had a bit of a laugh at the personalised name on the card and, 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 it, and it ensued a conversation about God. And then uh, out of nowhere, it's interesting, out of nowhere, the person who'd received the card said, do you, do you know those people down there at the vineyard? that church down there at Launton, And the guy said, well, actually, yeah, I do. I know a lot of lovely people down there. And, you know, I have some family that have been a part of that church and they do an amazing work in the community of loving people. And, yeah, I, I know them. And, and the person who'd received the card leaned in close to him and said, you should have nothing to do with them. They move in witchcraft and bad power. To which my friend said... Well, that's not the people I know, to which he, rebu- you know, he, 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 he rebutted their opinion. But anyway, then it ensued a conversation about the fact that, that this brother of ours is defaming the work of Jesus through this place to random people all through our community. I'm like, nah thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that the enemy overplays his hand. Thank you, Lord. That was so funny too because that morning Nicole woke up and she's you know, reading us some stuff online about how the enemy overplays his hand. And sure enough, by 12 o'clock, the enemy overplayed his hand. It was, and I was deeply broken because it was a brother. It was a brother from another part of the body of Jesus that's just cursing the work of this place coming against the work of this place. I was just like, well, thank you, Father, that you've showed it to us. Thank you that you're showing us how to pray now. See, when you're stuck and you've got nowhere to go and the Lord says, move forward, he'll show you how to pray. He'll bring the revelation to you at just the right moment. And sure enough, anyway, I, I, I finished that phone call and within like, I don't know, 20 minutes of that phone call, a sister... In Christ, who doesn't belong to this church, turns up at the door of our church and knocks on the door and comes in and just says, Hey, and she pastors like a a little home church. She has a little home church that she pastors. And she said, We just want you to know that God's put you on our heart. And here's a card with a little love gift in it just to let you know that God loves you. And so anyway, I crack it open and it's this beautiful card that just says, to Kirk and Nick, we love you and so does God. And there was like, there was like $500 in there. Here you go. And we're just like, I'm like, so a brother is cursing us And then God rises up another part of his church to come and bless us. That the enemy takes the permission of a framework of theology that our brothers caught in and using it to bash us. And the Lord says, "Uh -uh, I'm counteracting that because my people are moving forward. And then you know what happened? As soon as I'd received that little gift, I literally walked her to the door. And as she walked out the door, there was a gentleman standing there. And the gentleman standing there says, I was just wondering if maybe there might still be some food because it was by now the Mercy Centre had closed for the day. Would there be some food that maybe you might be able to help us with? And I said, hang on, we can. And I asked Susan and Susan went down there and loaded him up with food and the back story is he's sleeping in his car. He's got nowhere to live. It's all one big story. It's all one big story of the kingdom of God breaking into the earth, overcoming just the activity of the enemy and the brokenness of man and the soulish spiritual activity that takes place out of misinformation and misunderstanding. But as we stand at the water's edge, wherever you are right now, you know where the water's edge is for you. Don't whinge about it was better back in Egypt. The Father's called you out to come to the water's edge. And he's saying, stop whinging, people. Move forward. Create that room and that atmosphere for him to come and establish himself behind you as as the rear guard and let his glory be made manifest. And you know what I love about that encounter? Oh, man, this is so darn hot. You guys have got to read Exodus 14. This will just blow you away. They get through the water, they get to the other side and then God says to the crew, he says, now, turn around, look square in the enemy's eyes and he says, now Moses, lower your arms and down go his arms and the waters cave in over the work of the enemy and the enemy is routed. You and I get to participate in the routing work of God into the enemy's camp. He doesn't just do it for us. He says, come on, turn around, enjoy this. I want you to do this with me. We're going to route the enemy's camp. Everything that strikes terror into you, we're going to strike that with the heart of God. We're going to strike that with the love of God. I tell you, and you know what happened after that? from 12 to 1 where the sneezing had been going all day and and then this revelation came of what's been going on in the spirit realm around us and we were able to pray against it and then this blessing came and then the poor were fed. You know what happened? I stopped sneezing. All the flu-like symptoms lifted off me and went away. (laughs) <laughs> Praise God, you know. My health was returned to me. But you got to sometimes, it was just like because we determined that day just to like, we're going to move forward. Show us, Lord, how to do that. The enemy just comes in and just tries to bash you down and hold you down. But God is good. For those of you who are at the water's edge, fear not. It's all through the book. Do not fear. Do not be anxious. Fear not. Take courage. That's on our end in response to an instruction of the Lord. Okay? He will help us do that. He's so kind and so good. Who's at the water's edge? Just stand up where you are. We're going to pray for your deliverance today. Stand still and watch the delivering love of your God. It doesn't matter what it is, whether it's you know what the water's edge is. Father, I just ask that your kingdom would come for your children and that you would bring the revelation of how to, how to pray in their circumstance and that the ensuing work of the enemy would be confounded in this very moment as they stand at the water's edge and move forward in obedience to your voice. And trust your presence to come behind them now. In the name of Jesus, Father, let your kingdom come and rout the work of the enemy. Rout the work of the enemy. Glorify yourself in the ensuing work of the enemy. Establish your kingdom right there, God. Set my people free. Father, bless your people this week as they choose to move forward, though they cannot see you because now you're behind them, they know the last instruction. Help them to walk it in obedience by the power of your spirit for the glory of God in their life and for the well-being of people. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray it. Amen.